Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Danny and I'm here to look ahead to this weekend's big game at Sixfields between the Cobblers and Bradford City. To help me do that, I'll be joined shortly by Tim Penfold from the Width of the Post podcast. But first, Charles Cummins, you're back on the preview show. Hello! How are you? I'm all right, thank you, back mate. from How the are... abyss of my am... preview showing. I've been a busy boy. You have. You yeah. Have, yes. But I'm back. Like, I'm here. You're back. Like Backstreet. Yes. Backstreet's back. All yes. right. Uh, what I thought I'd do was I thought I'd disappear and see if that helped our results at all. <laughs> Turns out, no, I didn't. I don't have much sway. No, <laughs> you don't. So I'm back. Uh, not on this, anyway. On the other matters, you might do in the future, but more of that. I <laughs> yeah, I have huge sways. Huge sway. Huge, yes, I make waves. If uh, you do, there you go. <laughs> Keith Curl <laughs> make waves. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a little hint of to what's come, maybe. Get it in. Do you have a quick catch up on what's going on? Catch it. In the last few days. Uh, Tuesday night, obviously, we were all eyes on. Uh, I mean, Mike Fuller, one of our patrons, was <laughs> paid for iFollow for the Forest Green Mansfield game. He's so dedicated to the cause. Um, Forest Green won Mansfield nil. Probably the right result for what we need, isn't it? For Yes. But that one, uh, Salford nil, Port Vale one, not so much. But it means that we're still in fourth. Fourth's and, good. Uh, I'm happy with but fourth. three points behind Port Vale. Now, I quite like it when the games get caught up on. 
I don't like these games in hand. Plays with my emotions too much. <laughs> you want too them much. done and dusted. I want them done. I want you. everyone to be level. Yeah, we're getting there now. Did um, you see? Can I just go back very quickly to the Forest Green game? Yeah. Did you see how they celebrated their goal? Oh, it was muted, wasn't it? Well, very was muted. It, is it Josh Marsh? Marsh. It's Marsh, isn't Marsh. it? I can't remember. Marshy. He came in. He came in um, because Stevens has got himself injured and out for the rest of the season. Um, apparently, not just injured. The way that they celebrated March's goal was as if Stevens had died. <laughs> Don't know if you noticed this. March ran over to someone who had a Matt Stevens shirt that he held aloft yeah. in tribute. Yeah, there we go. I mean, a little bit much. Oh, maybe. Well, there you go. That's that's what happens. These Flipping these circles. Yeah. They're they're pretty much up now. And they um mm. we are with three points clear of eighth still. Three points behind third. All to play for. Ooh, so have you have you recovered positive. a little bit from the weekend oh. from our from our weekend dissection of the Mansfield game? Have, have you seen any kind of positivity in positivity in this yet? Um, after, after Tuesday night, sorry. Um, we're 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 preparing some training pitches for next year. That's positive. Yeah, that's good. Um, Sean McWilliams might be back. Yeah, not at all rushed. Back because of Paul Lewis's suspension. No, nothing to do with that, and certainly nothing to do with not wanting to play Scott Pollock. Um, <laughs> he really doesn't, does he? No, he really doesn't. <laughs> um, positives. Mitch Pinnock. Mitch Pinnock. Yes. Poss- possibly going to win the PFA Player <laughs> of the Month for League Two. Possibly. Possibly. He's got a yes. one in four chance. Yes. Which yeah. is more chance than I have or you have of <laughs> winning it. Generally, yeah. Do you want to know the other players up for the award, Charles? See yeah, go on. Why yeah. not? Uh, Cameron Dawson, excellent goalkeeper. Okay. Um, pivotal penalty stave at Oldham. Fine fingertip stops at Port Vale and some late heroics against Stevenage. Is that enough to beat Pinners, do you think? How many clean sheets has he had? Oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head. Oh. If it's not as many as Liam Roberts, then no. No, Don't that's, it, that's him out. Ben Garrity, Port Vale. I'm sure you've been watching him closely. Charles, any any thoughts? Incredibly. Um, he's a uh, winger, isn't he? Uh, yeah, go on then. Is, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's an attacking midfielder. Apparently. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Had some Scored three goals. Three Scored goals three goals. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Three goals this month. That's, yeah. I mean, that's Again, more, more than you. More than the cobblers. Yeah. Um, Nick it says three goals and two assists. Oh, which is which I didn't realise. So created five goals. Yeah, yeah it, that done. can't be this month, though, is it? Must be. Well, March. It's not three April goals in March, though. is he? Maybe. Don't know. <laughs> Sick and start. And uh, rural <laughs> Satiriu. He's the winner. Orient. He's the winner. He's, he's the winner. Yeah. Sorted. There we go. Done. Sorted. So he sorry, wins Mitch. it by default because of his name. Yeah, sorry, Mitch. Um, so there we go. Um, this weekend, Charles Bradford. Yes, which uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, part of the game's part of the football welcomes campaign, which is a great thing. Um, which is uh, Cobblers joining football clubs across the country to welcome refugees and people seeking asylum. Um, part of Amnesty International's football welcomes campaign. Um, and this game is the one that's been chosen as part of that. So hopefully that all goes well. And Probably. I think. That is a good point to bring in Tim Penfold from a wi- the Width of a Post podcast. How are you, Tim? I'm not too bad. Yourselves? 
Yeah, good, good, I think. We've just about recovered from our weekend defeat. Um, mm. Hopefully going to get back on track on the weekend, but Charles is not quite convinced. We all made predictions at the weekend, which we'll come to at the end, but you and Neil, Charles, were not not too confident. No, about this one in particular, no. but yeah, whether that's because it's because it's Bradford or or not, I'm not sure. It's because it's cobblers, mate. It's got nothing to do with Bradford. To me, it's it, Tim. It's always going to be this fixture is always going to be linked to 2013, that playoff final at Wembley, a moment of absolute misery for us. How was it for you? I'm just Charles was having a go at me earlier for putting this in the running order, but I wanted to kind of find out how. 2013 that final that day was for you as a Bradford fan did you expect to coast it that much and did you expect a little bit more from us I was expecting a bit more from you at that point Um, it was both brilliant and really weird because we'd had our battering at Wembley a couple of months earlier in the League Cup final but that was still an incredible achievement just to get there um, considering we were fourth tier and got to a major cup final but yeah it was an incredibly weird sort of sensation of 3-0 up inside 30 minutes and you're thinking well I'm sure we can throw this away from here but I'm not sure how we're specifically going to do it and you could just see all the way through the second half as it was you know if there were going to be any more goals they were going to come to us and we were just looking and going could we start seeing that we're going up yet no there's still 20 (laughs) minutes to go we can still throw this away and yeah so it's sort of brilliant and slightly strange and quite cathartic to actually be the team thumping someone at Wembley but yeah a really quite memorable day out for us yeah so after that promotion basically with the size of the club you are in League 2 it's I I still find it hard to think that you're back here but when you went up that time in 2013 did you all think as Bradford fans that this was the end of League 2 you just put that in the rearview mirror and that was that Especially after we'd established ourselves the following season. You know, we started the following season really well. Looked like we might even go up a second time until Naki Wells got injured, then sold. Um, much to your relief, I think, because he always scored against you. He really did. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you know, we'd established... Phil Parkinson had taken the team, you know, into the League One playoffs with another brilliant cup, cup run along the, along the way. Uh beating Chelsea and Sunderland and so on. And then we'd got taken over in 2016 by investors who were promising us to take us to the next level. And while Parkinson had left, Stuart McCall was back. And 2016-17, we got to the playoff final again. We were absolutely brilliant that season. Uh, One of the best Bradford City teams I can remember. Played really nice football. If we'd had Charlie White from the start of the season rather than halfway through, we'd have probably gone up automatically. But we just couldn't take our chances for the first half of the season and then once we got in goal scorers we actually started you know we were started taking them but couldn't quite make it and then it started to go wrong because it turns out out of the two investors who'd taken us over Stephen Rupp who is still involved in the club he was the silent partner providing the money he wasn't a huge football fan and he'd sort of partnered with Edin Rahich, who was going to be doing running the club. And the more Rahich got involved, the more influence he had, the more it became really obvious that he was completely unsuited to run a bath, let alone a football club. He had these, you know, 
the ideas sounded good. You know, we're going to bring in young players and develop them and sell them on. We're not going to focus too much on, you know, we're going to have a more continental style director of football system where we don't put too much on the manager and all that sort of stuff, which was fine. Only he turned around and asked Stuart McCall to resign after we'd lost at Wembley, even though we'd reached the playoff final and nearly gone up with a mid-table budget. Then the team, you know, ripped up. The team got ripped up in the summer of 2017. We lost a bunch of good players, but rebuilt, and we were still in the playoffs in January 2018. But went on a run of defeats, and Stuart McCall got sacked because, in part, because. He and Rahic just didn't get on. Rahic seemed threatened by McCall's popularity with the fans. That damaged things a lot. We plummeted out of the playoffs. Following season, Rahic got even basically got full influence over it. He appointed the youth team coach as manager because no one else would take the job, um, and signed a whole bunch of players on big wages. Good individual players, you know, Owen Doyle, Jack Payne, and so on, combined with some players who were completely past their best, um, Sean Scannell, but big names at that point. But it wasn't really a team, you know. There wasn't any sort of solidity in midfield. There were massive, there were massive gaps on. It was like someone putting together a team on FIFA where you don't really have to worry about cohesion and how all the pieces fit together. You just put good players in. And so that fell apart. The and Rahic was forced out. But at that point, we were relegated from League One, having basically had something like the fourth or fifth highest budget. If Ollie McBurney hadn't been sold from Swansea to Sheffield United and we got a huge sell on from that, we'd have been in real trouble. Step and Rupp stepped in and sort of financially bailed us out. But he didn't really want to be doing the main thing of running a football club. So he's, he sort of wants to stay behind the scenes, not really get involved. And so we've just sort of bumbled about in League Two since then because we needed to rebuild, get rid of, get rid of uh, various expensive players. And then we just keep making a mess of our recruitment. So Rahic did the damage and then we've just failed to repair it. Mm. And how frustrating is that to... To think League Two's gone, it's in the past, and then to... I mean, obviously, those two players... Am I right in saying that both of those playoff defeats were to Millwall? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, uh, the semi-final semis, and, then and then the final. final. Yeah. yeah. Um, to get that close again, and then to just come back again, having obviously been in the Premier League not so long ago within our memories, um, how frustrating is it to be back again and to be just struggling along in mid-table at the moment? It is incredibly frustrating because, you know, it's easy to say it, but we're a big name for League Two. If we do things properly, you know, massive crowds, budget that's, you know, top five, if we get things right, we should be competing for promotion, you know, with, with the advantages of what we've got. And we just have spent far too long getting things wrong. Um, you know, we've veered between models of what we want to do at the, at the club. We have got recruitment badly wrong at times we've got managerial choices wrong and so we end up with sort of messes of squads that have been produced by about four or five different managers working under about two or three different sort of philosophies and styles and then you wonder why the pieces don't fit together mm. yeah, it's such a i mean sleeping giant is the word that comes to mind but it it's especially 
for you, 16,000, your last home game against Port Vale. This is, I know you've got a little bit of the Mark Hughes effects taken in, but from what I remember, it's been like that for a lot of the season. For a team that's mid-table, when you when you look at Forest Green and some of their away followings, it it's just astounding to me that that, that the people of Bradford can, can keep coming out. And it just shows you the potential there of what, and the loyalty there, I guess, as to what you can be. Yeah, I mean, we're in a fairly unique situation of having a really big potential catchment area for a League Two club, um, a really big ground from the Premiership days. So we have the ability to make the tickets fairly cheap and get people in. But, you know, while the crowds, you know, you look at them and go 13, 14, 15,000, during the late stages of the Adams era, about a third of our season ticket holders were staying away. Right. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons for the sacking was, apart from the fact that the football was rubbish and the results were rubbish, was there was a real worry that if people were just staying away for the rest of the season, they aren't renewing and suddenly that's 30% of the budget gone for next season. Mm. So Derek Adams in the joined in the summer having got Morecambe promoted. We, um, Charles, me and you, and Neil, I think actually, all had you down as at least top three this season. Did you expect that as well? I was hoping we'd push on for playoffs. Um, You know, we had a decent second half of last season um, and then faded away towards the end of the season. But we had the potential for a decent side. Um, You know, we had some promising enough players. And then the summer recruitment didn't really build on that, but we thought it might at the time we started we started like an absolute rocket, three wins out of the first four, and then have just collapsed. We had a very frustrating habit early on, two frustrating habits. One was um, creating lots of chances and not scoring in the early days, um, which meant that Derek Adams spent a lot of time pointing to expected goal stats and then being pointed out, but we're not sticking it in the net. The other was we had an incredible habit of going 1-0 up and then completely stopping. So we go 1-0 up and then wonder why when we stopped passing the ball to each other or pushing forward or getting out of our own penalty box, we invited pressure and opponents equalised. And we've thrown away sort of about a dozen points doing that this season. Mm. So in terms of Derek Adams, do you think that was the right time for him to leave? Could you yeah, have given him more time? He had, to he'd, he'd he'd managed to alienate pretty much everyone at the club. He is not the easiest manager to warm to. If, if you ever listen to what he says in the press, for example, you'd look listen to his interviews after the game and go, "What was he watching? Completely the same game. Even in the games where we were we'd done quite well, we'd done well and come away with a draw when we should have won. He'd come into the press afterward and say we should have won that six 0 and you're thinking what are you on about? You know, even when he had a point of we were unlucky, he oversold it. And so, you know, he had a habit of blaming everyone but himself. So it was sports science team's fault that we had so many soft tissue injuries and not the fact that it really did sound like he was ignoring them. It was definitely the director of recruitment's fault about how we um, signed, the way we signed people in the summer, which is why he got the director of recruitment Lee Turnbull got the sack and someone else got brought in who would work with Derek Adams before. There were two separate occasions where he criticised a player in the press immediately after a game 
and then sold them within the next couple of days. Um, one of those players, Ollie Crankshaw, has got double figures in the conference from from the right wing for Stockport, and that's right wing has been a position we've been weak in all season, and getting a goal threat that isn't Andy Cook has been a position we've been weak in all season, and yet here's this player who we chucked out after he'd set up the consolation goal and done quite well off the bench because I don't know Adams wanted to make a point. Mm. So, so surprised, surprised to see him go back to Morecambe. Not at all. No, he's really, really. You know, he performed miracles there to get them promoted. Possibly his style of being very defensive, very counter-attacking. You know, possibly suits an underdog more than someone like Bradford, who are re- we're really not underdogs in this division, has been has been mentioned, and so it's much more difficult to get the the sort of mentality they get. Whereas when you're not expecting to do that well you can sit back get a get a def- fairly def- solid defense and not worry about keeping possession of the football too much and hit on the counter and you can do that at Morecambe when people are expected to attack you in a way that you can't do at Bradford where teams are more likely to sit back against you mm. I, must, you- I must say sorry Danny I must, sorry. I must say that it seems so counterproductive from a well, anyone's point of view that, that has ever worked in a job, anyone that's been a manager in any particular job as well. I mean, to start blaming everybody else isn't yeah. going to be very um, good for the morale of, of the whole place, you know, the whole workplace. I mean, if you're blaming the the guys that are in the sports science team, you know, your fitness coach and, and all those, then they're going to be coming into work just going, well, what's the point? I'm just going to get told that it's my fault all the time. And so they're not going to be wanting to work for you and, and make you successful. Because I bet at the same time, if if you had been successful under Derek Adams and Neil, one of our other uh, pod presenters, loves him for some unknown reason, wanted him to get, uh, our job l- last year when uh, Keith Carroll left us. Um, I, j- I just don't really get how you would get anybody wanting to work for you. It, it seems so ridiculous to to go and and do that. I mean, fine if you it, you said about how your was it your uh, director of recruitment that or your head of recruitment that was basically blamed and then replaced. I mean, it's one way to get rid of somebody, isn't it? And get somebody in that you want instead, I suppose. But you can't do that with every single person that you work with in one go. That's just not going to work. Yeah, basically. I think I've said it a few times on the Width for Post podcast. If Derek Adams was my manager at work, I'd have looked for another job a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't blame anybody for doing that at all. I mean, you, what you said about how... Derek Adams' style of football being, you know, maybe suiting an underdog team more. When we played you guys at Valley Parade back in November, I think it was, um, it, it was really strange because the goal that you scored to equalise, and I mean, yes, there was, you know, quite a major fault in our defending for that goal. I think it was Fraser Horsfall fell over and basically side-footed it through to uh, the the guy that actually ended up scoring but you there were several occasions where you tore us apart with your passing and were able to just 
knock the ball about with a bit of zip so that therefore we were essentially chasing shadows. And then, yeah, when you got up into the final third, there just wasn't anything there to basically finish it off. So it never felt like that you were playing on the counter-attack on that particular day. And yet, I actually never felt like you deserved to win the game. I'm not saying that we necessarily did either, but on that occasion, it it kind of felt like a draw was going to be the most obvious until we scored and then I was a bit like, well, maybe we'll hang on for a 1-0 win. But then, obviously, you did get the equaliser. But, I mean, it, it just it feels a little bit or it felt a little bit like you just didn't have that end product. There was a lot of good football being played in the sort of the middle of the park from you guys, but you just couldn't actually then do the bit that wins you points, which is score. Is that fair? I think that is. Um, We've had these issues all season. We've been well below XG and so on for being able to finish. So we've got Callum Cook, for example, who's incredibly creative, and so we create a decent amount of chance chances. He's not a very good finisher, so that's one of our attacking players who's not actually a goal threat, but still very useful. Andy Cook has faded a bit, but he's had a had a decent season initially. He's a reasonable goal scorer. Um, give him the right support and so on. You'll get 15, 20 goals out of him. He's got 11 in this side, so that's not too bad. But then you look at everyone else, I'm just looking at the side from that day. Alex Gilead looks good until he gets into the final third, which is why we've moved him a bit deeper. So he gets into the final third less and does the bits where he looks good more. And then apart from that, the only other goal threat in the team has been either, we've normally played either Charles Vernon or Liangol off the left, um, but they both had injuries. And that's it. That's basically it. You've got the striker and one other of, one other attacker in the system and that's all we can do and there's been no cover up front either we you know andy cook reasonable striker after that you've got theo robinson who scored what four goals lee angle can play there but he's been injured a lot um got lavery we've got tom elliott we've got delfonso they all look incredibly average so and so now Andy Cook, of course, looks really tired because he has to play every single game because there's no alternative because all the other strikers are rubbish. So a whole bunch of issues with goal scoring there. <laughs> um, Mark Hughes then, um, a few weeks ago, brought him in. Um, obviously, a, a career that I don't think is managed outside the top two divisions. Um, obviously, started out with Wales, has got a pedigree of... A, I mean, a really high pedigree in terms of the top two divisions, probably underappreciated, I would have said, potentially by some of the clubs that he's managed. Been out the game for about four years. Still a surprise, you think, for you? Yeah. Um, Genuinely, I was very, very surprised when it happened and then Googled to see if there were any other Mark Hughes's that they could have got mixed up with. Um, <laughs> and... That's what I did. I thought it was our <laughs> former defender who was at, at Bristol Rovers most recently, I think. And I thought, oh, if the, has he gone into management? That's a really good job. <laughs> no, former Wales manager, Mark yeah. Hughes. Yeah. I mean, it shows the potential of the club because, again, I don't think there's any other club in League Two he'd have dropped for. Um you know, it wouldn't have been surprising to see him show up at a championship club within the next year or so. I don't know. No. Maybe Blackburn if to- if Tony Mowbray left or someone like that. That wouldn't have surprised me. So to see him in League Two, 
is a huge, huge sort of coup for the club. Um, and you can see, you know, we're already trying to play much better football. We look like a better side, but the squad still has too many holes in it. Um, so the football's improved, but the results still aren't brilliant. I think that's in part because we have had a fairly vicious set of fixtures. So he's had, I think, seven games so far. Six of them have been against promotion contenders. And then the next two are against you and Tranmere, so that's two more promotion contenders. So the worst team we've played so far is Hartlepool, who are 12th. So he's not had an easy set of fixtures to start with. But our ball-playing midfielders, the likes of Elliot Watt and Callum Cook, they look a lot better. Um, we've brought in someone like Dion Pereira from the cold, where he joined in January, got injured, and then never seemed to get a look in. And he's looked pretty promising. So we look like a better team, but there's still just too many weaknesses in the overall squad. Fullbacks in particular are a problem position, because... Um, Derek Adams bought fullbacks who were very much defenders first. If you're trying to play a possession-based attacking style, you need your fullbacks to be able to play and support, and that really does let us down. Yeah, sometimes see that, don't you, when a new manager comes in and tries to play that kind of game, that more passing possession type game, and your players just aren't there suited to to do it. Is that kind of what you've seen so far? And does it does it feel a bit like he's trying a few things out before the summer at the moment? Yeah, I think working out which players he wants to keep as well, because actually a lot of our better players are out of contract in the summer, frustratingly. All the ones I really want, or a chunk of the ones I want to get rid of, are on long-term contracts, and the likes of Elliot Watt, Pordia Connor, uh, Callum Cook, Charles Vernon, they're all out of contract, and they could all do really well elsewhere. Watt, I think, especially, has really stepped up under Hughes. He's a sort of, he's a deep lying playmaker, which meant that under Adams he was sort of not really appreciated by the fans, particularly because of he wasn't really being asked to play for, to his strengths. You know, he was criticised for giving the ball away a lot because he was told pick the ball up off the back four and ping it forward quickly. And now he's dictating things and running things, and teams are working out they're going to have to shut him down quite quickly. Um, and the one game he hasn't played was against Port Vale and we really missed him. So he's suddenly looking a lot better in a side that plays to his strengths. Um, but then, so, you know, you had half the side that fit a passing team that was struggling under Adams and now look good. But then Andy Cook looks less good. He's more of a target man, maybe doesn't fit a possession-based team in quite the same way. Um, the fullbacks look a bit exposed by this um, because they're just they were brought in to defend first and now they're having to push up yeah. support the attack which isn't their strength so I think we are on for a rebuild in the summer I, I, I suppose though in a way I mean I know you said that you're quite worried that that the players that you would like to see stay are the ones that seem to be out of contract. But the fact that you've got Mark Hughes as the manager, that's going to be a huge pull now for players, not just signing new contracts, but also anybody that you want to go and buy or, you know, bring in over the summer. (laughs) You know, if there's a choice between... Mark Hughes, a former international manager, and not a bad one at that either, really, considering, okay, it was Wales, but they did quite well under him. Um, Compare him to John Brady, our manager, who is relatively unknown. This is his first Football League managerial job. 
um, you're going to choose Mark Hughes every time. So there must be a little bit of an element there for you of actually you don't necessarily mind that that's there. there there's kind of that fallback of they'll want to play for Mark Hughes. Yeah, I think that's a good, that is something that's likely to happen. You know, you've got, if you're a young player choosing between League Two clubs, if I, you know, you look at Bradford under Mark Hughes and think if they get this right, they could rock it up to the top end of League One. I mean, we did it previously and maybe higher. And if I, you know, if a young, as a young player, I'm thinking if I can prove I can play in front of crowds of 15,000, that's going to get me interest from the championship mm-hmm. because I've proved, you know, I can handle the crowds at that level and so on. And so that's another point. So you've got big name manager, big crowds, hopefully, because our budget isn't going to be massive because of the. Um, you know, it's going to be one of the higher ones in the division, but it's not going to be, you know, Salford level of throwing money at it. And it, but that could at least bring some extra players in. Am I, am I right in saying, Tim, that the way that your budget works is because of the fact that you've got such high crowds that essentially your your owners have always looked at it and gone, well, we we can break even relatively easy. And therefore, the budget is high enough. Like you're saying, it's not a small budget necessarily. It's just not, you know, Salford City levels. But therefore, you, there's an expectation is there that with that. Because obviously, your fans are looking at it and going, well, we're the biggest team in the division in terms of attendances by a landslide. Surely, our budget should reflect that. Yeah. I mean, the stadium comes with costs, of course, which swallow things up. But... We do end up with a pretty big budget, but it's also but yeah, the club is aiming to be sustainable now. The owner has mentioned he didn't hugely want to get involved in a football club, had to chuck a decent amount of money into after Ed and Ryan Drover spent. So you get the feeling that if the right people came along he'd be happy to sell. He nearly did, and then it turned out the people involved were a bunch of random crypto bros from the United States who turns out you know absolutely nothing about football or indeed any sort of PR at all and we're going to fund the club by selling NFTs um, <laughs> so he said no strangely enough I mean that's good though that you've got an owner that said no because yeah. clearly there there would be owners probably I'm not going to name any clubs or any owners obviously but there, I'm sure there would be owners that just kind of sometimes go no I just want rid I just want out they don't really care they kind of wash would wash their hands of it so the fact that he actually said no that's got to be a positive I would have thought yeah um I I'd agree with that you know he gets some criticism because we've declined under his leadership because he gave Edin Rahich the keys to the place really to cause the problems and while he has you know he's kept the club going as a result, but he's not going to put. He doesn't. I don't think he's going to put much more into the club, and so it just feels like we're. You know, until you... Mark Hughes came in, it did feel like we were drifting quite a lot, and then suddenly the mood changed mm. and we looked ambitious again just from one appointment. Are Are you happy about the fact that he's running the club in a sustainable way? Are you, do you take that into consideration? There's obviously. You know, a big conversation over the last twelve months, hasn't there, about football football finance? You're one of the 
I was going to say you're one of the better run clubs, but I hate that expression. It's nonsense, really. You're just you're in a very good position in terms of the fact that you get very high crowds and therefore you get a lot of money coming in. I take your point about the stadium costing you money as well, but the fact that he, you're you're then looking at being a sustainable football club. Do the fan base, do you think, do they see that as a major positive? Or or do you still think that actually what they really want to see is the owner putting his hand in the pocket, getting those strikers in that will bang you 20 goals a season in every time? I think basically every single football club wants a, someone who's won the Euro Millions or Euro Billions <laughs> yeah. if you're after Chelsea um, to uh, take over and just say, no, I don't care about where winning my money back. Here's two million quid a year. Go up the divisions. And good luck finding those owners. Um, but, yeah. There's general frustration because, you know, financially we're competently run. You know, we make a reasonable amount, you know, from tickets and commercially. We don't spend beyond our means. There's from the football side, we haven't been that well run. There's been poor decisions on recruitment. There's been poor decisions on managers and so on. We've gone through about, you know, so last season, Stuart McCall got the sack again. Um, the youth team coaches took over, went on a good run, got long-term contracts, went on a bad run towards the end of the season. And so there's, but we've been talking, the club have been talking about, you know, we've got this good crop of youngish players coming through and we're going to develop them with with our young homegrown coaches. And then two months later, they were both sacked because we'd gone on a losing run at the end of the season. And suddenly, instead of going, oh, we're going to have head coach and a director of recruitment who's a little bit separate from them so we don't end up with everything in one, all our eggs in one basket. Suddenly, it was Derek Adams in. And instead of developing younger players, it was short-term promotion now. And the younger players got chucked to one side or blamed or scapegoated by Adams whenever he felt like he needed a victim um, and the director of recruitment was gone and it was Adams' own people in and so on and then it seems like we're going back again to the original one, we're sort of veering between operating models veering between philosophies for the football club and yeah, it, that can seem a little bit frustrating because we do have a good bunch of younger players and they've stalled this season because Derek Adams didn't want to play them because he wanted promotion now and results now, but didn't get them. Uh, coming um, on to, so, yeah. Sorry, coming on to um, Saturday, particularly now. Are you coming down for the match? I'm not, unfortunately. I've not actually, I've not actually done an away game since pre-COVID. I feel like I need to fix that next yeah, season, but all the interesting right. games have gone. <laughs> it's not that many interesting games League 2, to be fair. Um, <laughs> uh, who should we be looking out for at the weekend from you, from you guys? Um, you need to, If you stop Elliot Watts at the base of the midfield, you stop us playing. Um, so that's the key thing here. It, you, he can run a game and dictate the tempo, but if you put him under pressure, he's quite young. He will still make mistakes. Um, going forward, Dion Pereira's looked in decent form recently. He's a very skillful wide player slash number 10. Um, Charles Vernon might get a game. He He's a very quick, he's a quick, direct wide man. So they're the danger, danger men going forward. In goal, we've got a keeper who 
can make absolutely incredible saves and then drop one in his own net a minute later on loan from Portsmouth. He's called Alex Bass. Um, so, yeah, he can make absolutely... Against Swindon, actually, in, in the home game, in the 94th minute, he makes an incredible one-handed save clawing away a header that was going into the top corner. From the resulting corner, they play it short, move it into the box. He comes rushing out and brings down their forward for no reason. <laughs> so that's the sort of... That's where he is. He's either incredible or useless with absolutely no middle ground. What's um, what's on the, on the goalkeeper situation, Tim? What what's uh, happened with Richard O'Donnell? Because obviously he was uh, with us um, when we were back in League One, and then when we got relegated, he didn't want to play League Two, so he moved to you guys, and then subsequently you guys got relegated. But he stayed with you. Um, not inside anymore, though. No, he's just faded out. Really decent enough shot stopper. Didn't command his box well enough. Eventually, um, last season he got injured and Sam Hornby came in and did a good job for a while. Um, this season, O'Donnell came back into the side at the start of the season, eventually got dropped for Hornby, and then a few games later we brought in Bass. It sounded like we were trying to shuffle O'Donnell out in January, and then, but, eventually, but then Hornby went to Colchester instead. Um, but he's out of contract in the summer as O'Donnell, and I'd expect him to go. Um, He's fine for a League Two goalkeeper, just not spectacular. Um, but he had his weaknesses, and I think enough. It cost us. Did you know he wasn't the main reason we struggled? But you always felt we could improve on him a little bit. So should we get on to predictions then, Charles? Yeah, we can do. One? I mean, I don't have know why you asked special... me for a prediction. Well, it's because. We've got a special button that I haven't pressed the last couple of weeks. Oh, well, do you know what? There's a reason why you haven't pressed it for the last couple of weeks, and that's because it's not loaded up. Um, So it wasn't even there in the first place. Oh, I'm going to blame you then. You can blame me all you want, mate. That's absolutely fine. Uh, Do you want me to? I can sing it if you'd like. Go on, Tim. uh, Just to explain, Tim, we've got a predictions jingle that we usually play and get the opposition fans a rate. Um, Charles, if you can give us a burst of it, that would be beautiful. Um, I can't remember how it goes, so I'll just go. Predictions. There you go. Rubbish. Very tuneful. Yeah, it's no, it is to do. It's the Abba song, Charles. I know it is, but I, you are not getting me to sing on my own podcast. <laughs> there, there's a line. <laughs> uh, give us a prediction instead, then, Charles. Um, Saturday, three o'clock, Bradford, six oh, fields. I was going to say it's not at Bradford. Um, Cobblers nil. Oh dear, that's not a good start. Bradford, no, it's not, is it? Um, I, I, I genuinely worried about this because um, of the times that we've played each other. I'll just get this actual stat up properly, I think, because it's the best way to do it is to be factual and not to make things up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knew? Uh, so we've played each other a total of 35 times over the years. First, by the looks of it, uh, matching up in 1972. Um, we've only ever won seven. <laughs> so um, I'm not very confident. And the last time that we actually beat Bradford at Sixfields was way back in 2010. Yeah, that was a, the couple of days after Anfield, wasn't it? It was, one? yeah. Uh, we were riding that wave. Riding it, yeah. um, And it was enjoyable. I mean, we've had we've had some success um, since then. Um once in 2018, uh, drawing at Valor 
Valley Parade earlier in the season was okay. It was a decent game. Um, like I said before, I felt that Bradford passed us off the pitch at times in that game um, back in November. And with Tim saying how is it was it Elliot what Tim sorry yeah um, yeah at the base of that midfield as a as a deep line player if he runs the runs the show I, and if he's even better now and you're playing better than you were back in November then I'm really quite worried I think um, we're going to lose and yeah. I, I think it'll be a two 0 Bradford win. Oh dear. I, 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 the issue that I've got is that there's pessimism rippling through my body and <laughs> there's also the fact that it is Bradford City who we just don't really tend to win against. Yeah, that's fair. No matter how well we play. I mean, I remember those two FA Cup games back in 2012. Ivan Tony made his debut off the uh, bench in the replay for the three-all draw. Um, even then... We still lost on penalties, I think it was, in the end. So, I I just... Bradford City versus Northampton is not a favourite of mine, despite (laughs) it. Despite me always going to the away game. I'm just a sucker for punishment. So, yeah, I'm going to go for 2-0. And, yeah, I know we've got decent home form, but I, I can't. And plus, there's also that little thing, isn't there? There was that stat, was it Henna's put out? So, whenever... we We've not won from going behind... All season, yeah. And I just, I just fear that as oh. soon as one goal goes in, we're, we're not coming back from it. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm going two one, and I'm go, I think we are going to come from behind. Oh, I think now that stat's been thrown out there, I think it's going to happen. Two one, Coppers. I'm going. Get it back on course, uh, Tim. How about you? Let's see this go. I think I'll go for one all. I'm not quite as confident in our form. Um, we look decent but still have too many flaws and not good, are not good enough at taking chances. So we look like we play better football, but still not hugely effective in the grand scheme of things. So I think one all. Great, good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Um, so the website is it's withofapost.com, um, and that is just checking out at the width of a post on twitter for the uh website and podcast great good stuff and thanks yeah thanks so much for taking the time to come and speak to us all the best for the rest of the season apart from Thank saturday you. obviously we'll be hoping you do us a job after you play us as well <laughs> against Tram please, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh next week charles oldham 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 yes oldham away so good a good time of year for shes erection you would you would say um, <laughs> Good Friday and everything. Um, but um, there we go, Charles. I'll hopefully see you next week as well with an Oldham fan. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in your ears on Tuesday morning with all our reaction to this game. Thank you very much. See you soon. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. 
By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.